wondrous love is this, oh my soul, oh my soul. What wondrous love is this, oh my soul? Take me home. What wondrous love is this that caused the Lord of bliss? Homeward bound to bear the dreadful curse for my soul. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the second stop of the Family Road Trip Podcast. Never know what you're going to get. You are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter, and I will admit I have a bit of the giggles. That's great. (laughs) To have joy during the Lenten season. It's the first time I think we've done this during the Lenten season, which may give you an insight as to why the intro seems maybe a little schizophrenic. Like, if you've listened to us in the past, we like to incorporate popular songs. Um, kind of the road trip theme, right? You go for a long ride. Maybe you're like me and you enjoy getting out songs you haven't heard in a while. And that's the song part of it is. But then what's with, uh, you know, Josh Gerrels, one of my favorite musicians? You know, what wondrous love is this is woven into that. So I think... What I'm trying to do with that, I guess, is to convey that the ordinary parts of life, these things that we deal with every day, are anointed. They're appointed and they're anointed, and God is woven into that. And the dis- the struggles, the challenges, the sorrows, the joys that we have are all part of the very heart of Christ. And so that was kind of an effort to put those things together. So, so you thought um, it was a little weird. Well, and I did not use that word, no. my love. So I'm not sure how I feel about it, well, okay. but like I well, always appreciate your creative, thank you, genius. Well, yes. we're gonna we're gonna stick with it, I think, though, and because it's but it does, it's it like makes you stop, like whoa, what's uh, you know, and okay, maybe that's what Lent is about. I love your honesty. I love that, and this is maybe giving um, I don't know witness to the value of what this program is all about, of families just being real with a basis of love and respect and engagement, right? I love you and I respect you. But can I just throw out a little lesson? Yes, lesson away. Maybe it's a prompting of the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's some deep hidden Bring it. Something. So you and I disagree on that a little bit or have different opinions on it, I think would be a better way. Yep, I'm right, you're wrong. And (laughs) (laughs) what I was going to say um, was... It's good for families, and in particular, I think, husband and wife to each other, but also hopefully Mm. this gives witness to the children, that even if you feel strongly about something, now Mm. obviously moral issues and such. Weightier issues than music blended with Lenten themes. My my prompting, my challenge, my whatever, is I'm totally rambling. Am I being challenged, or is this to our no, audience? this is to all okay. listening, which you're listening. Because I could take it if it was a challenge. No, it's more of a challenge to myself. Okay. So the the whole notion of just because I think something should be done mm. a certain way, or feel a certain way, or have a certain way of doing something, doesn't mean it's the only way or the right way. Come on, people now, smile on your brother. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So I think so many issues come between husbands and wives. And I can say from talking to lots of different females over the years that it usually falls heavier on the wife, like because we're in the groove and we like things done a certain way. And or, you know, we think that a response should be in a certain way. And 
if it's different, it so often the temptation mm. is just boom, like nope, you know. Be upset. Instead of gosh, that's a different perspective. That's a different opinion. That's a different way of doing it. And guess what? Guess what? <laughs> to be stretched into it's the beauty of another person to so discover you, that. You just keep going with that intro. Thank you. I appreciate such. that. So, Steph, I have, this is the fourth season of Family Road Trip Podcast. It's Dun-dun. my passion. You know, it really is. It's my passion. You always like to drive. It, that, that too. But it is our passion to live this ministry, this calling, this challenge, which really emerged anecdotally from doing all these events, some with many, many numbers, hundreds, even over a thousand, uh, down to small numbers, and to ask the question, well, what did you get out of that? You know, what difference did it make? Like the measure of success is not just how you felt those final moments of that great retreat or that great event, but ask the question a week, a month, a year later. Uh, has it affected your marriage? Has it affected your children? Are you making your home a culture of ever deeper encounter with Christ? And maybe that's a question for us to all consider right now. Of all the religious things that you do that you're committed to, what real difference has it made? In fact, if you're willing to spend that 45 minutes next week with the women's group or the men's group or whatever outside your home, when's the last time you spent the same amount of time with a higher priority, with your family in your home. And we get that that presses us all with a sense of trepidation, a sense of fear, awkwardness. We didn't inherit that. So the passion that you and I have, Steph, that we've been blessed with from the very earliest days of our friendship into dating and marriage and our children was to create that atmosphere where that happened. Many, though, have the much harder task of never having inherited that, knowing they're missing it, knowing they're disconnected with their spouse and their kids, feeling their homes are just chaotic, Grand Central Station. And we want to tell them your home ought to be even more of a sacred context, relational context of encounter, even more so than that tech, Crisio, Chirp, Ignite, you know, Life in the Spirit event, that your home is meant to be that vital place to live this out. So, Steph, why, from your perspective, are we doing this? You remind me of who I could have been Had I been stronger and braver way back then A million choices, the little on their own Become the heirloom of the heaviness we've known You (laughs) came up with this great idea to allow other people to hear about these experiences and so um, invited each season different couples who committed to do it so that others can hear the realness of it, the challenges, the blessings, um, strategies, mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. will, the fun stories, you know, scheduling a time once a week, you know, mm-hmm. it can be 30 minutes, it can be an hour and a half, like whatever works for your family. We know some families who divide it up into different pieces, if you will, but using the Live It Gathering Guide, which is at ilovemyfamily.us, which, you know, kind of is a, a framework, a guide for that prayer and that conversation, um, focusing on um you know, daily challenges and daily victories and the funness, funness, fun, family fun questions and apologies and the subsequent Sunday readings that you can read at, um, you know, spend time with ahead of time and, uh, you know, talk about those things. And, you know, for the youngers, it can be more difficult, but parents are creative and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, still is very meaningful and beautiful. That's awesome. So folks, in just a moment, we are going to get to our wonderful three co-journeyers, road trippers along this great trip. And uh, tonight's theme really for the fun side of it, and we want you to think about this too. What's 
a favorite movie that's had an impact in your life. Steph and I have our respective movies. And uh, I want you to think about your movie right now. If you have it firmly in your mind, it can be any number of them, but pick one. Every single movie you can think of has four main movements to it. It's essentially the same cosmology, the same design in every single movie. You have point A, the characters begin somewhere. No brainer. B, they go through a kind of crucible. They come out on the other side of that crucible, the fire, the struggle, the challenge, more fully aware of who they are. So their identity is more clear to them. And that Number four movement is it informs their mission. Whether you're thinking of Lassie Comes Home or Gladiator or Lord of the Rings or, you know, any Disney film, any movie you can think of has these four main movements. Well, let's put different words on those four movements. So the characters begin somewhere. We'll call that life. They go through a crucible, death. They come out on the other side more fully aware of their identity, resurrection. And from that flows their mission which is Pentecost. Life, death, resurrection, Pentecost. So think about this. This could be a transforming moment for you and me. Billions of dollars are spent every year on drama. The spectate in these dramas, they captivate us, right? Because at the deepest levels of our being, we're attuned to something that we're going through ourselves. Well, the reality is you and I are starring characters in an ultimate drama in all these four movements of Christ, whether you're agnostic, atheist, Buddhist, Muslim, Jewish, every single one of us experiences these four movements of life, death, resurrection, and Pentecost. What does it sound like? Jesus Christ. We're literally our very nature by being made in the image of God going through these four movements. So there's tremendous value in us maybe thinking about what the movies are that we participate in, spectate in, and to consider, you know, how is God anointing us for that ultimate destination of eternal life, of great intimacy with him. So, With no further ado, we are going to turn to our wonderful fellow road trippers and uh, ask them the big question. What was your favorite movie that had an impact in your life? Let's start with The Knights. Influential movie would be when I was younger would be Star Wars and obviously the series. Mm. The Star Wars series, just in general, as as a child growing up and being a fan of that just a, being a Luke Skywalker fan, becoming you know, <laughs> orphan to become a superhero. So, do you remember what it evoked? Like the first time you saw it, I remember watching the movie theater. Yes, and Dusky movie theater. I remember watching it very vividly with my sister and mother, and uh, being six years old watching it for the first time. That's awesome. It was monolithic time, with yeah. me too. Nineteen nineteen seventy seven for me, the very first showing. Yeah. I was ten years old. But Chris, what what impact did it have on you that sticks with you today? Or just that you know, being a young child that can overcome any obstacle and mm-hmm. grow and be a you know be a superpower. And as a child, that's just the when you can dream. It's just a it's an amazing thought. Absolutely. George Lucas was extremely influenced by a guy named Joseph Campbell who wrote a book, Hero with a Thousand Faces. It's sort of that hero motif that underlies every single drama that I spoke of. And uh, this is a a movie that punctuates that theme. It taps into real human struggles, good against evil, 
Dark Against Light. Now, some may recognize it can be more syncretistic on that side. But no, I think that the faith theme profoundly impacted me also. I think it's a great uh, a great series that can have a big impact on people. What was that word? Synchro what? <laughs> uh, what did I say? I don't know, but that was kind of fun. <laughs> I've yeah. never heard that Syncretism. before. Syncretism. Sorry, I just had to like... I got nerdy. Yeah. <laughs> it's I okay. Like yeah, right. Kathy, what about you? Follow the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow brick road. Well, anyone who knows me knows my favorite movie is The Wizard of Oz. Mm. Follow the yellow brick road. And it was a favorite when I was a kid, and then also throughout college. I've seen it a bunch of times, know all the lyrics. What impact did that movie have on you, Kathy? You know, when I was little, I I was kind of terrified by the Wicked Witch. Mm. So um, in order to watch it and enjoy it, you kind of have to face that fear. Mm. That kind of stayed with me a little bit. That's so true. Huge. Yeah, as you get older, you realize, you know, you go on this journey of life and everything that you're looking for is really inside of you. And Mm. you have friends on the journey and there's no place like home. Wow. yeah. That's awesome. Theology those, of the Wizard of Oz. Those monkeys. Knight. The yes, monkeys always freak me out, for yeah. sure. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. Anyways. But great movie. Thank you, Knights. And now we move to The Pains. One of my favorite movies, I, I had a hard time picking because there are a few movies I loved growing up. But one of my favorite movies growing up was uh, The Mission. Mm. And it was such a just such a powerful movie. There's so many powerful images in that movie. And beautiful and that, music. Yeah, that had a real impact on me. You know, I wasn't Catholic growing up. And so there, there's things that, that went over my head, mm. uh, but it was very powerful. Have you what? Have we watched it together? We no, we have not watched it together. Wow. Date watched- night coming. I feel it coming on. <laughs> yeah. Date night. So Alexa, um, today Dominic called upon the mighty name of Alexa in our home and asked Alexa to play uh, Yo Yo Ma, and then whoever the musician is, the music. What's his name. Yeah, him. Uh, <laughs> so we got to listen to it. But Seth, I got to ask you the question because it's a question I ask of anybody who has seen the movie. Which priest were you in the end? Were you the one who took up with arms or were you the one more inclined to process with the monstrance in the midst of that? Those who know the movie, those who don't know, it Spoiler was... Spoiler alert, Well, people. the end game, it's a slave <laughs> trade, and these are yeah. beloved priests at the end, and both are legitimate moral responses. But one is that mm-hmm. we're going to fight, and the other is we're going to bear Christ in a more singular, unified way, and in the end, I won't tell you what happens. Which one were you? Well, yeah, I, I definitely, you know, thinking back on, on that that scene, I, I definitely have to go watch it again, because I had no concept of what it meant to, mm-hmm. to walk mm-hmm. with a monstrance like that, but... I did. I did relate to to him because of just being the man of peace. Mm. I, I related to that much more. Mm. And uh, and for me, the the most powerful scene is the um, is the penance scene. Oh, absolutely. On the wall. Right. And that that image of of 
not only for for me for, you know for penance and I, and I as I said I was in Catholic so I didn't really understand the the penance part of it but the, at the end of that scene the the image of forgiveness of mm-hmm. cutting his burden away uh, and and just forgiving him where he could have responded in anger mm-hmm. of responding with forgiveness was very powerful to me awesome Michelle this question stressed me out. <laughs> Okay, you can tell us your deepest, darkest secret instead. There you go. We were like the last people I knew to get a VCR. Inconceivable! And I even like went and looked. Okay. Do, our... you, do you have a DVD player now? We do. <laughs> okay. Well, no, I mean, when I was growing up, like gotcha. we were like the only people I knew that didn't have one. Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. And I even went and looked in our DVD box now to, for like inspiration. None of them belong to me. I mean, everything <laughs> we have is ours, but they were all his. Boo! Like, right, that. right. That's great. So I came up with The Princess Bride. Yes. Um, um, I don't know. It's just a classic. At the Schleter house, everybody quotes it, you know. Yeah. It is. <laughs> you mock my pain. Life is pain, Highness. Anyone who says differently is selling something. And one of our cars is called the Dread Pirate Roberts. Oh, the Black Matrix. That's awesome. Well, pray oh, for yeah. pray for Rob Rayner. <laughs> I forgot my car was named the Dread Pirate Roberts. <laughs> Michelle, I'm going to say pray for Rob Rayner. He's the producer. He's brilliant. God gifted him. He comes from a faithful Jewish background. His dad was a was a mogul in the industry. In fact, wrote a lot of the Dick Van Dyke series. But just uh, the whole Hollywood group, I think, they're gifted so much in communicating some truths in these stories. And yet, the, a lot of their lives and their views are very much caught up in turmoil. So I'm always mindful mm-hmm. of just how God speaks, even in the midst of our mess, even through Donald Trump, even through the Democrats, whoever you want to name, that this is a mess of humanity and God entered this mess. And if we didn't uh, recognize our mess, we wouldn't recognize our Messiah. So folks, just what a great gift just to be mindful of that classical movie. And behind it, I think, is somebody who's experiencing a good amount of turmoil who merits our love and our prayers. But uh, no, that's really awesome. Mm-hmm. What lasting impact uh, did it have on you, Michelle? Well, I think at this point in my life now, I I do see that marriage is what brings us together today. She's supposed to marry Prince Humperdinck. And it was like it wasn't about love and it was for all the wrong reasons. Mm. And I think so. I think that there's I mean, there's a lot of different truths, but that's sort of something that I look at and say, like, yeah, you're supposed to you're supposed to mean it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> awesome. Right, and all that that means. Fabulous pains. Thank you so much. Let's go across town now to The Seymours, a favorite movie that's had an impact on your life. Uh, this is Brett, and uh, I'm going to go with The Shawshank Redemption, a movie mm. I've seen 14, 15 times. You know, many people would say, how do you find true goodness in a movie that's based in prison? Mm-hmm. Um, but Andy Dufresne brings a message of hope and freedom to the other prisoners at the Shawshank. You know, an innocent man found guilty, put behind bars and brings out uh, hope. Um, so Red, you know, does repent in the end. A good friend of Annie Dufresne's in the movie repents. You know, when we see the two of them at the end of the movie uh, set free from prison mm-hmm. and on a beach and that, that redemption is theirs. A very awesome. powerful movie for sure. Nikki, what about you? Favorite movie that's made an impact? I didn't, um, I didn't grow up with, well, we did watch a lot of movies as kids, but maybe they weren't very good movies. We watched a lot of garbage, but (laughs) (laughs) 
And now as an adult, I've seen all children movies with all my children. And about three years ago... I want to tell you a secret that will see you through all the trials that life can offer. Have courage and be kind. We watched the Cinderella movie with the real actors and actresses. Um, The impact it had on me, maybe it was the time in my life of what was going on, I don't really know, but... You'll merely be your stepmother, and you'll have two lovely sisters to keep you company. Just how awful Cinderella was treated Mm. by these women. Yes, stepmother. Oh, you needn't call me that. Madam will do. Cinderwench. Dirty Ella. (laughs) Cinderella. (laughs) (laughs) They were so cruel, and she still maintained such beautiful Mm. joy and goodness. You have more kindness in your little finger than most people possess in their whole body. She never treated them badly and she never sought revenge. And, you know, in the end, it turned out a beautiful, good story and a happy ending, which I like that too. We're on a mission from God. That was awesome. Folks, so blessed that you're along the journey with us, the second stop of a seven-stop journey of this family road trip podcast. And you're hearing our three beloved road tripper couples and families kind of share. It's a little fun at the outset, which, again, with your gathering, make it fun. There are family fun questions. Again, at ilovemyfamily.us is the gathering guide. It begins with family fun questions, a ton of questions. Even if you just did that this week, brought the family together, set aside every every device, fun way to do it is have everybody pick a number from 1 to 50 and read the corresponding question. Um, You'll find that you'll really enjoy it. It really kind of taps some humor and delight and some of the questions tap things that are meaningful. So that's really awesome. So these guys have committed to doing this for seven consecutive weeks during this season of Lent. And again, if something's a challenge that's good, maybe we should consider the ways in which the enemy doesn't want it to happen. Let me put that a different way. That if the enemy doesn't want it to happen, It must mean that something really, really good is meant to happen. So if you're struggling with bringing your family together to talk and pray, you know, break into that. Break into the awkwardness, the uncertainty, all of that without having had mentors and just do it. Pick a time and do it. And again, join us at ilovemyfamily.us. So that's kind of like a fun question. Now we're going to go around and ask each of the couples, families, to share with us, give us a little bit of the context of their very first gathering on this road trip in this fourth season. So let's go back to the nights. Tell us a little bit about your gathering. This is Chris. And our family, we gathered, we do it on Wednesday night in our dinner. So we print off the guide and we go through the three readings. And the three of us, since there are three of us in Grace, take turns doing a reading. And it went really well. Gives us something to talk about dinner instead of arguing. (laughs) It's always a bonus. Because we keep going and interrupting each other. So no, it it went very well. And then we went through the questions. Kathy did the questions and had us pick numbers. So that's obviously Grace and Dad like to compete. So we took, <laughs> took turns going, picking a number Aww. and then answering a question. So it was, awesome. it was very engaging and made dinner go quite well and enjoyable. That's awesome, Chris. That's awesome. Remind us how old Grace is, just for Grace our listeners. Is 10 and a half going on 18. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say 28, but that's okay. Thank you. So that sounds awesome. I would have loved to have been a been at your dinner table. Um, can you share a story related to that gathering, something meaningful that uh, happened? Sure. So the readings on Sunday were kind of hard to understand, especially mm. that second one. 
And before we could even get through it, our little one said, I don't understand this. This doesn't make sense to me. And so we kind of took that opportunity to talk about that. Mm. And, you know, how do we get our little one to understand a message that, you know, one sinned and everyone sinned and Mm -hmm. then one died for the many and, you know, all of that. And we talked a little bit about how Jesus talked in stories so that people could understand better and what, how important it is to have faith when you don't really understand every word and how, as you grow, um, your understanding of the Bible changes. And every time you read it, you learn something new Mm -hmm. and different. Um, and we did our best to kind of understand. And then, of course, Father Jeff um, did an amazing homily. Of course, of course he did. Kind yes. of brought it down to our level so that we could understand it even better. Um, so that, yeah, that was a tough awesome. one, but it was a good one. And it, it let us um, really have an opportunity to teach and to learn, too. And what great witness um, for our listeners, too, especially with younger children. I mean, sometimes we adults have a hard time understanding it, right? But had that been just the first time you're hearing it at Mass, that opportunity, one, would not have been there. Mm. More often than not, you know, we choose to kind of fade out when that happens, or especially, you know, young people. So what a what a beautiful blessing. You mined the gold, and you taught us how to do it. I'm so moved by your testimony, both of you guys. Chris, what struck you in particular? Anything move you from the gathering this past week? I think when we sat down as a family and did it, is uh, Grace's intention. She was very engaged and wanting to do the reading and then do the questions. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that struck me is how, you know, Usually she's resistant to things, but as soon as we do something (laughs) spiritual as a family. She is an amazing grace is what you're saying. Yeah, when it comes to Jesus, she's all in. That was was what struck me the most. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Knights. That was awesome. We can make it happen. Let's go to the pains. First of all, paint a picture for us. What was your very first gathering in this road trip season like? So we met Friday evening after dinner because we knew that Saturday Seth was going to be gone all day and get back a little bit late. Um, so our kids are younger. They, they're they asleep by 8 o'clock. So we remembered. <laughs> Good <Number> job. <laughs> that we were going to do this after dinner and didn't get distracted by playing in the snow or something else um, like we had another week. And we met, um, we sit on the living room sofa and um, the two girls sit with us and we read, um, we did two of the readings this week. We had just been, a lot of times we just do one of Mm -hmm. them. Um, But since the Old Testament and the New Testament seemed to really... Well, they were both familiar, said mm-hmm. the creation story and then the temptation of Christ. And they were very clearly on a similar theme. We thought we'd give that a shot. It went well. And we That's did the awesome. picking number thing, too, for the introductory questions, for the fun questions. It does get them involved and excited. And, and the girls were, were excited to do the meeting. So mm-hmm. You are our so. blessed bohemians, but you're really not bohemian, but maybe just that cool, groovy, easygoing style. You're making it happen. <laughs> And bringing that great thoughtful wisdom to your group. Those who listened last week will be very uh, endeared by uh, Seth's commitment in doing the divine office and chanting in the morning. So how that fits with the whole Bohemian thing yeah, is really cool. Yeah. All right.
Are you okay that I called you a bohemian? Are you hurt? Do I need to apologize? I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm I mean, good. I'll man up with that right now. I will. I will straight up apologize. For, for, for the longest time, up until, I don't know, I feel like it was fairly recently, like five or six years ago, I always confused bohemian and bohemian. So I always thought someone from, <laughs> someone who was bohemian was someone from the Bahamas. <laughs> uh, Michelle, what's something in particular that touched you this past week? Well, the fact that the girls are really getting into the rhythm of the meeting. So we did, you know, we, we did the fun questions. We lit this candle. We did the opening prayer. We read the readings. We discussed the readings. Mm, awesome. And then we're um, about to finish up. And Dahlia says, Mommy, <laughs> we didn't do that part where everybody gets to pray. <laughs> That's <laughs> and I said, sweet. That that's awesome. That is the next thing we're going to do right now. I mean, it was really right. <laughs> it was, was the next thing. Yeah. She, I mean, she was ready for On it. it. She was kind of obnoxious about it. That's okay. Um, and Im- impatient but and all that sort of five. thing. But she knew. Yeah, she's five. <laughs> but she knew what it was supposed to be, and she was not going to let us get away with not having everybody say a prayer. That's beautiful. At the end, <laughs> go down. So. Um, yeah, I thought I thought that that was great. That uh, apparently everybody wants to participate and wants everything to be done the way it's supposed to be done. And yeah, that's beautiful, awesome. though. That's, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's awesome. Seth, what about you? Was there something different for you? The thing that the thing that struck me was um, that they're so used to us just reading to them mm. that I think it's been an interesting development for for us to read something together and then for our for Michelle and I to say, what what stood out to you, or mm. what did you think about this? You know, really asking them to to get their feedback, uh, and I think that 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 it kind of took them aback to say, oh, what did I think about it? Or um, mm. to have more of a, a deeper discussion. And it's not just I'm reading you a story, but this is something important that we want to talk about. And so I'm I'm excited to see how that continues to develop. Um, as we as we keep having these readings, these meetings, and, and discussing these important things with them, what a beautiful way to uh, give them validation with their of their value, right? That what they mm-hmm. may be thinking or what they can share, um, you know, is meaningful, has value to it, and you know, just relationally as a family, that's beautiful. That's so, echoing beautiful. what you're saying, Steph, in different words, we have found this to be a tremendous occasion to validate their voice, to help them find their voice, to know that what they have inside merits our thoughtfulness and our attention. You know, it's amazing from our children at a youngest age now, age 21 down to 14, each one of them, you know, have grown maybe <laughs> maybe a bit too a comfortable too <laughs> knowing their <laughs> no, voice yeah. and communicating it. But the second part is the beneficiaries that we are from the wisdom and the mm-hmm. insights and the facets and perspective that, let's face it, otherwise we just simply would not get. The gold is there, but we haven't given them permission to find it and number two, to mine it. So I'm just so blessed by your guys' testimonial to that. Thank you. That was awesome. Give a little Seymour's, give us an overview of your family gathering. Yeah, sure. So we get together on Sunday nights, um, and our logistics are we we get together in our family room. For those of you out there on the show who don't know, we we have a whole bunch of us here. So we have (laughs) kids ages 17, 15, 
13, 11, 9, 15 months, and a baby on the way that are in the house, plus Nicole and I. So um, there's a lot of us. I'll keep you safe. Try hard to concentrate. So, yeah, we, you know, we get through it and, you know, we try to do one or two of the readings. We don't do all of the readings, mm-hmm. um, mostly because of time. Sure. Right? So yep. us, if everybody wants to give input, um, we would run out of time. Yep, absolutely. We get so that. The kids get better at it the more that we do it and concentrate together. We're working real hard to model for our kids. Our mistakes, they were bound to be the apology portion mm, of so the good. Live It Family Gathering Guide. It's something that we just had a good experience with uh, this past week. So mm. as an example, um, I made a uh, a nice apology to Nikki. We had a plan mm. to go to adoration together this week. And I got stuck on a call at work and I was late. So important for them to see because when it shows, you know, that vulnerability, if you will, and... Um, that real manness, <laughs> if you will, and just how, like you use the word model. Absolutely. That's the perfect word, right? Leading by So example. powerful when our kids hear us men in particular communicate mm-hmm. straightforward, promptly, vulnerably, and in my case, learning without the, but you did this. And I'm exaggerating a little bit, but maybe not so much. Um, yeah. All right. We all do. The darkness will be Nikki. Okay, in particular, it's a big overall picture for me. I think, you know, we had a lot of defiance and annoyance and people didn't want to participate. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the kids don't necessarily still want to apologize or do some of the things. They don't have much reflection on the gospel yet, but there's just an overall goodness of feeling of everybody genuinely looks like they want to be there. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Really it's a big plus. We have more fun in our discussion with the cute questions like, what was your favorite childhood toy that you got? Mm. Or, um, we had another cute question like that I forget. So, um, and it's not often that we're all in the same room and we have just a fun discussion like that and everybody's stays in the room mm-hmm. keeps discussing and keeps laughing and so that part of it was really nice and everybody's just overall more relaxed and accepting of everything and you know i think the other parts will come we mm-hmm. want to hear more of the reflection of the gospel and we hope to hear maybe some apologies but for now i'm just really blessed that everybody is just comfortable being together and enjoying the time together and you fill my life with laughter you can make it better is my trouble that's what you do. And that's so, so important. And the, you know, the tilling of the soil, the tilling of the ground is what's happening. But don't diminish just that relational grace that's there. You know, mm-hmm. just because a, a spiritual term isn't on it, that's family, that's community, that's, you know, God alive in those um, funnesses. So 
I like that funness. I know. <laughs> That's a great word. <laughs> you give your big you Webster know, dictionary whatever, is a new I one. Funness. I like it. So, folks, if I were to punctuate this episode two, the second stop of our seven stop journey in the Family Road Trip podcast, the extraordinary becomes ordinary. The extraordinary, certainly God Himself though he's in the form of God, takes on flesh. And we talked, each one shared a favorite movie that communicates these values, which of us haven't experienced movies. And the fact that this life, death, resurrection, Pentecost, these themes are woven into the movies. And usually we're just, you know, we're just spectators. But uh, we're called to be participants. We're called to realize what is the ultimate drama that we're participants in. So that last part where we went around, I'm just, Steph, I'm just truly amazed at how each one shared the awakening and the deepening of that awareness of God who took on flesh and blood and abides with us, that he beholds us. Shall I say that this holy communion that we receive is becoming holy community? So, folks, I can't say it more strongly to receive the gift. God is pouring himself into your marriage, into your family, and with all the distractions that want to pull us away from the gold, from the mind, set aside the distractions, find that time this week, and gather together. That was awesome. Join us, ilovemyfamily.us, a very easy-to-use gathering guide. And if nothing else, you know, just do the fun questions. You'll know what I mean when you get there. Make the time and discover that value. And um, and just enjoy that experience. You will truly enjoy it. And uh, that's about it. We're so glad that you guys are with us on the journey. Until next time, God bless you. following is another true story shared at a recent Ignite event, pronouncing that the love of God is truly alive and present today. Ignites are uplifting evenings of witness, word, and worship in the real presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. For more information, go to massimpact.us. One world, one mission, alive in Jesus Christ. Like everyone's story, mine starts at birth. I'm a cradle Catholic, which essentially means I was born and raised in the faith. I don't remember my baptism, my first reconciliation, first communion, or going to all of the religion classes. The first thing I remember is sitting in confirmation class. As a 13-year-old, the last thing I wanted to be doing was going to those classes. It wasn't the teachers or the information that we were learning. It was church. Church was uncool, or at least that's what I thought. It was uncool to be a Jesus freak. It was uncool to live apart from the crowd. 
and my 13-year-old self thought it was especially uncool to spend an hour a week either on Sunday night or I'm sorry, Saturday nights or wake up on Sunday mornings to go to mass. But I went because I had to. I would do everything I could to get out of mass or class because it was uncool to be uncool. At the end of my eighth grade year, I went to a Steubenville conference. God changed my life on this retreat. From that moment forward, I knew there were other teens in the world who loved God and who weren't afraid to say it. The conference was great. The music was loud and upbeat, and that was something that I had never experienced before. There were cool people with really cool stories that had a really cool message about God. So for the first time in my life, I thought loving God and leading a life for Him was cool. But I was still afraid. It was on this weekend that God planted a seed in the back of my mind that is still there today and probably will be for the rest of my life. When I went home, it was still uncool to go to church and to be different from everyone else. So I left Jesus on the bus. I didn't pray, and I only went to Mass because I had to. This cycle continued as I went to five Steubenville conferences from eighth grade to after my uh, senior year in high school. In high school, I lived by the label of being Catholic. The only reason I considered myself Catholic was because I had received the sacraments up to that age. I didn't talk about church or God with my friends. And to be completely honest, I wasn't a very nice person. I was a hypocrite. I went to those conferences and thought that I was so holy, but I wouldn't take an hour of my week to spend with God. Don't even get me started on what it took Deb Miller to get me to confession. She would walk me there, sit in the pew with me, wait till I was ready to go, and then wait for me to be done. Did I like her for that? Absolutely not. But am I grateful for it now? Absolutely. Post high school, I was really excited to go to college. In high school, I was the goody two-shoes who was better than everyone else. I left high school innocent and completely ignorant to the world around me. College was my time to be a new person, to recreate myself and be whoever I wanted. And that's exactly what I thought I did. I went to Mass to make my parents happy, but I couldn't even tell you what the name of the church was or the name of the priest for that matter. I spent my time on things that I thought would make me happier. Skipping class became a regular thing. I would binge watch Netflix for 10 and 12 hours at a time, and I only worked out so that I looked hot. And yes, I began to drink and party. This life was fun on Friday and Saturday nights. And sure, I would say I was happy and having fun, but in all honesty, I was broken. The morning after a party, I was oftentimes the butt of the jokes for something stupid or crazy that I had done, 
But for my friends, breaking innocent Alex was fun. It was a game. Every time I would tell my friends that I need to stop, the only answer I would get in return was, you're not that bad, you still go to church, which is better than most of us. So I justified my behavior. Remember that seed I told you about that God put in my head uh, five years prior at that Studentville conference? This is where that comes into play. Before long, I wasn't drinking for fun anymore. I had to do it. It was cool. It allowed me to break out of my shell and to fit in with the crowd. All I really was doing was covering up the way I felt about myself and how I was acting. I knew how I was acting was wrong because of that little seed and that longing for God. But since I had justified my behavior, I went on with my life. By the end of my first year, I had fallen so far into a dark pit. During finals week, I attended one last party. It ended in a huge fight between my friends and I, where I stormed off and made a complete fool of myself. The next morning, I was so ashamed. So I packed the rest of my things into the car, and I slept on my sister's dorm room floor just to avoid them. I ignored many worried phone calls and text messages because no one knew where I was except for my sister. I had hit rock bottom. I was alone, ashamed for my behavior, and lost. But I thought all of those things were supposed to make me happy. Weren't they supposed to, to make me cool? As the summer went on, I was still not talking to my friends. I was slowly reconciling those friendships, but I stayed to myself for the most part and focused on working and making money. On May 24th, 2013, God sent me a message, and he could not have been more straightforward with me. At the time, I was a waitress at Sloopy's Sports Cafe, and I had three gentlemen sit in my section. When they were finished, one of the gentlemen walked around the corner and asked if he could pray with me. He said God had told him that I was having a difficult time with something and that my heart was heavy. When the man finished praying, my mind was blown. And to be completely honest, it still is. During his prayer, he accurately described how I had been feeling in those past few weeks and reminded me that in the end, God is the only thing that truly matters. I don't know who this man is, but I am so incredibly grateful that he prayed with me. That day was a turning point in my life. I won't say that I did a complete 180, but it turned me to face God. It took me the rest of the summer to get up the courage to go to confession, but I went. It also wasn't easy coming back to school a completely different person. My friends were okay with my decision not to drink, but they're still confused about why I don't go to parties. For me, it is just too much of a temptation. And if I'm in those places, I will fall back into my old ways. Don't get me wrong, I fell. I fell a lot. But every time I did, I got back up and I kept trudging towards God. 
I finally got the courage to go to a retreat held at the church that I didn't even know the name. The church was called St. Tom's, and the retreat, Koinonia, which is Greek for community. A girl who sat right next to me in my music class was on the retreat, so I at least knew one person, kind of. I was awkward, and I didn't know why I was there or why I had agreed to give up my phone for almost 48 hours. This retreat is about building community, a Catholic community. I can't tell you what goes on during the retreat because it's a secret, but I can tell you that I was supposed to be there. God had a plan. The friendships and community I built on BGK 14 are the friends and community that I have around me now. I've been blessed with being on the team for Koinonia twice, and I now have the honor to coordinate BGK 18 this fall. This wasn't the only life-changing opportunity God had in store for me. This past summer, I was honored with the opportunity to serve at a Catholic summer camp for six weeks called Cove Crest. And this is in the mountains of northern Georgia. During this time, I fell into a deeper love for Christ and living my life for him. I'm honored to be following God's call back to the mountains and to be serving again this summer, but for 13 weeks instead of six. I'm scared, and I don't know where I'll be in a year from now, but I'm trusting God. There's something about those mountains in that camp that allows teens and missionaries alike to experience God in a new and exciting way. We did some really awesome things, like whitewater rafting, high ropes, we played in mud pits, and we played lots of sports. But if you asked any of the teens who attended camp what their favorite part was, they would most likely say adoration. The teens love adoring Christ in the Blessed Sacrament, and so do I. There's nothing more intimate than Christ dying on the cross for our sins and leaving himself behind in the Eucharist so that we might experience him every single day. He could have said, no thanks. I don't feel like being crucified, but he didn't. He took the fall for us so that we might have eternal life in heaven. I love Ignite because you get to experience Christ so fully. You get to experience the mercy he pours out onto us through reconciliation, and you get to experience Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. If you are uncomfortable with reconciliation, I understand. I have been there, and it isn't fun to say everything that you've done wrong to a priest. But it is so humbling and so beautiful to experience the mercy that God has for us. I encourage you to take the step tonight and go. If it has been a while, that's fine, just go. If it has been two weeks, that's fine, just go. If you don't know what to say or are confused, just ask the priest. They'll be more than happy to help you. They're here to help you get closer to heaven. If you aren't ready to go tonight, then I want to encourage you to praise Jesus Christ in adoration. Ask him what he wants of you and ask him to prepare your heart for reconciliation. It took me a while to find God and surrender my life to him, 
but I keep putting one foot in front of the other and allowing God to guide my path. My life with Christ has been a journey, but I now know that the only cool way to live my life is to live it for God. Anne Marie Schleter is a student and Catholic revival leader at Ave Maria University in Florida. In the following testimonial, she challenges us to consider that peace doesn't come by way of greater clarity or definition or completion. It doesn't come by way of our seeking or striving. Peace comes by way of simply receiving God alive in our hearts. If you want to find out more how you and your family can more deeply encounter Jesus Christ as a way of life to truly live what we profess, go to massimpact.us. Now let's listen to Anne Marie's story. How many of you have ever done Mad Libs? By show of hands. Okay, yes. So when um, I was little, my siblings, my, especially my two brothers, two of my brothers, that was like the thing to do. Whenever we were with our cousins, especially, we loved doing Mad Libs. Um, and we thought we, would, we thought we were absolutely hilarious and literary geniuses when we would put together these stories and, and we'd do it. And then we'd be like, Mom, this is so funny. And we'd be laughing so hard. And it really wasn't that funny. Um, but we just rolled with it. So at the beginning of Advent, um, I was praying like randomly and just like asking the Lord to put a theme on my heart for this Advent. And I kept coming back to Mad Libs and I thought I was getting distracted. Um, and I was like, why do I keep thinking about Mad Libs? Jesus, I'm trying to talk to you. <laughs> like, can we not do this right now? Um, which is an, it, it's a good point. I think to remember is sometimes we think we're being distracted in prayer, but it's actually the father speaking to us. And God told me that I kept trying to make my relationship with him into a Mad Lib game. It was like, Lord, here are these situations, and I'm going to give you like these parts of it, but don't rewrite the entire thing and make sure you fill those spaces with this, this, or this. Right now I'm thinking about, you know, Jonah. Jonah in the Old Testament, he had an idea of how God should be working. He, he thought he knew what should be happening in the city of Nineveh. He wanted them smited because that's what they deserved. And he refused to open his mind to the unexpected, to the bigger picture. And tonight, I just want to declare over everybody here that peace doesn't come when, when we get the diagnosis. Peace doesn't come when, when we get clarity in our relationships. Peace, peace doesn't come when, there's, when we see how things are going to work out and all come together and all the, the spaces are filled in our sentences. We can enter into worship because the only space that matters has been filled the space in a manger, the space on the cross. And I'm going into worship tonight, and there's a lot that I don't know. I just spent a plane ride, probably totally psychoanalyzing situations that I shouldn't have been psychoanalyzing. And, you know, there's, there's, and I'm declaring this over myself too. There's a lot that I don't know in my life right now. And there's a lot that all of us don't know in our lives right now. But Jesus is here right now. And the really cool thing about Jesus about God is that he's not afraid of the mess. He's not afraid to take it on. And when we surrender to peace, we can make an agreement to rest, to strive to enter into rest. The only thing in the Bible that we're ever told to strive for is rest, which is really cool. But we can rest because he doesn't, right? He's not stagnant. He's moving and as I was praying about tonight, the Lord just brought me, actually just on the plane, the Lord was bringing me to the part in scripture where Jesus falls asleep in the bottom of the boat. 
he falls asleep in the storm because he's in control. So tonight, let's just receive peace. Let's go into prayer not seeking answers or seeking solutions or seeking clarity or next steps, but let's just receive peace. Let's allow the Father to tell us who he is and who we are. Because everything else comes from that. And scripture, it also says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. It also says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. We don't need to preoccupy ourselves with searching and striving. We just get to be and we just get to rest. So I just want to pray with you really quick um, before we move into the next part of the evening. Um, And I just invite you to open your hands in front of you. It's just a sign of receptivity because our physical posture often represents the posture of our hearts. Hello, Holy Spirit, you are here. You are here. Father, I just declare peace over this place tonight because you are here. You came, Lord, you came. You came. Show us what that means tonight. God, we we surrender the boxes that we put you in, the expectations that we've placed upon you. And we just open our hands tonight in hopeful anticipation, trading expectation for anticipation, knowing that you love us and that you're moving and that you're here. You've promised to bring all things to completion. And we just surrender entirely to you tonight, Lord. Come and do what only you can do. Whatever situations are filling us with anxiety or worry or shame, I just speak against those things in the name of Jesus. And I claim peace. I claim peace. Mama, just hold us tonight. As Our Lady of Guadalupe, you said, am I not your mother? So there's nothing for us to be worried or troubled about. And we come to your feet, Lord Jesus. Not not the feet, the scarred feet of the cross, but like the baby feet in the manger. And we just worship you in simplicity tonight. Jesus, we love you. Keep moving. We give you permission to keep moving. Amen. If you want to find out more how you and your family can more deeply encounter Jesus Christ as a way of life to truly live what we profess, go to MassImpact.us.